We are not rejected. We are accepted. We are not orphaned. We are adopted. We are not unseen. We are known. We are not fearful. We are courageous. We are not deficient. We are satisfied. We are not condemned. We are forgiven. We are not uncertain. We are secure. We are not perfect. We are victorious. We are not in bondage. We are redeemed. We are not aimless. We are purposed. We are made in His image. And that redefines everything. Well, good morning, ICC. So glad you're here with us. If you were expecting Barrett, I'm sorry. You should have paid more attention to the welcome. Uh, No, but really, I'm so glad. We're so glad that you're here. Well, you're wherever you are joining us this morning. It's a little, I'm going to be honest, uh, it's pretty awkward uh, talking to a camera. But I know that there are people in there that you guys are on the other side of the camera I believe that by faith, even though I can't see you, and I'm really glad uh, that you're here this morning. I'm really glad to be here this morning. I'm really grateful for this opportunity um, and just really excited to hear from God uh, together today and share some of what I, I think he might be speaking to us and what he's been teaching me lately. So um, if you didn't hear the welcome, my name is Mitchell, if I don't know you, and um, I've been part of ICC for a, a few years now, uh, but I've uh, had the privilege of being in my staff role, helping lead our student ministry uh, for about a year now. And uh, if you're new, welcome. Uh, and if you're not, good to see you. So um, I want to ask you a question to start the morning. It's a simple question, but I just want to ask you, um, how are you doing I know it's kind of a weird question to ask if you're uh, watching a screen, but uh, maybe you haven't asked yourself that question uh, this morning, or even maybe this week, or in a while. Uh, just want you to kind of take a second. I think it's important that when we're uh, coming into worship and approaching God uh, to hear from Him, that we do like we bring our whole selves and we're honest about where we're at. So. I just want to know how you're doing. I want you to take a second. If you're by yourself, you can just ask yourself. Uh, If you're with people, you can uh, share with each other just how are you doing. Hopefully you have some some good things that you can see God doing in your life. But uh, I know that also if you're like most of us, you're probably struggling in some ways right now. I mean, we've been in this, uh, this really strange season now for a lot longer than I think most of us expected, right? If you remember, we came into this thing thinking, uh, wow, this might last a month or two, my goodness. And now we're like four months in and it's kind of like you're in this really dark tunnel and it's hard to tell where the light is. It's somewhere uh, in the distance, but it's hard to tell uh, how far away. (laughs) And uh, I think 
it's worn some of us out. I think some of us are a little tired, a little exhausted, a little drained, maybe uh, emotionally, mentally, maybe even spiritually, or even physically. Um, I think the, the disconnection that we've felt for months now is, has taken a toll. I think um, this, this uncertainty we're in, it kind of can make you feel sort of stuck. It's hard to really make plans or look forward to things. You may feel like you're not really excited about much. In fact, I was with a, a group of students just this week, and we were standing around, and I just kind of asked them, hey, is anybody uh, like excited about anything, anything you're looking forward to? <laughs> Nobody really said anything. I mean, I, one, we had one student said she was excited to eat tacos for her birthday next week. But that was, that was it. That was kind of the extent. Everybody else sort of looked around and said, honestly, not really. I'm, I mean, I'm here. I'm kind of just kind of getting by. That's not a bad answer, if it's true. Uh, but here's, here's the danger, is that I think these, some of these experiences and feelings or some combination of them can actually lead us to this place of feeling kind of purposeless, kind of aimless, like we've sort of lost our sense of purpose. And that is detrimental. I mean, having a sense of purpose is actually one of the most basic human needs. Not, so we won't even speak spiritually, just speaking psychologically. Across the board, in every culture, anywhere in the world, people are seeking purpose. People need to feel like they have a sense of purpose. You may remember, depending on how old you are, uh, in 2002, so 18 years ago now, there was a book written by uh, Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life. It was, I mean, it was a huge book, bestseller. I mean, I was actually looking at statistics just this week. Uh, they say that 50 million copies of that book have been sold in over 85 different languages throughout the past 18 years. And I'm not, I'm not teaching from that book this morning, but the, the question I want to ask is, why would a book like that have such mass appeal to so many people? And I really think the, the answer is that it speaks, it speaks so directly to such a deep need and desire and just longing in the human heart. And that's for purpose. Everyone is asking that. What am, what am I here for, right? Like, what do I do with my life? <laughs> maybe you've asked some of those questions yourself. And maybe right now you're struggling to, to, to feel confident in your sense of purpose. And fortunately, uh, the Bible speaks directly to this, okay? So we're going we're gonna to get into it. Let's do a quick review of what we've learned throughout our We Are series. Hopefully you've been with us throughout this series. We've been learning about our identity in Christ uh, by uh, these different We Are statements. So here are the things that we've learned. We've learned that we are made in God's image. We're not self-defined. We are secure. We're not uncertain. We're chosen. We're not rejected. We're loved unconditionally, not conditionally. We are adopted, not orphaned. We are redeemed, not in bondage. We are known, not unseen. We are forgiven, not condemned. And just last week, we learned that we are satisfied, not deficient. And today, our we are statement that we're going we're gonna to dive into is that we are purposed. We are purposed, not aimless. We are purposed, not aimless. Okay, so we're going to go 
just jump right into our scripture. So we're going to be back in that same uh, passage we've been in for most of this series, Ephesians chapter 1, okay? So uh, you can go there with me. I I do think it'll be on the screen, but uh, I'd love it if you go there with me in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 1, we've been looking at verses 1 through 10, okay? That's what we've been reading pretty much every week for a while now. I'm going to read it again, and we're going to focus on kind of the the end of this passage, okay? So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Hopefully as we're reading this, you can remember some of these things that we've learned as you read it. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven, and things on earth. Okay, so just last week, remember we were in verses 7 and 8, and we were seeing that God has given us the riches of His grace, right? He's lavished them upon us. So He's given us more than we need, more than enough. That's why we said we're satisfied, we're not deficient, okay? So that leaves us right in about the middle of chapter 8, okay? So Today, we're going to look at sort of the last two and a half verses, starting there in the middle of chapter 8. And here's, here's the phrase we're going to look at today. This is our, our starting point for today. I'll read it again. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Okay, so here, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to look at this, this phrase, these two and a half verses together. We're going to ask questions. We're going to make observations. We're going to figure out what is Paul saying here. So Paul wrote this as a letter to the Ephesian church. What's he saying here? What does it mean for us? Okay, and what are we going to do about it? Okay, so we're just going to look at this together and walk straight through it. Okay, so here's what we see here. Paul starts by kind of Uh, introducing, he's saying that God in his great wisdom and insight, he's made known to us something about his will, the mystery of his will. So there's something that he's revealed to us. Remember, he's writing to the church, so he's writing to Christians, believers in Jesus. There's something he's made known to us about his will. And what is that? Well, the first observation I see is that he, uh, he's talking about a purpose. He says, according to his purpose, So the first observation we can make is that God has a purpose. And this 
piece of this passage right here, we see that God has a purpose. That may seem obvious, but that's okay. (laughs) As we're reading the Bible, it's okay to make obvious observations, okay? We're asking questions and we're trying to figure out what does it mean, okay? So God has a purpose. Okay, so let's jump back to the verse and let's see what else can we learn about this purpose. So according to his purpose, what do we learn next? Well, he has set forth this purpose in Christ. Okay, so what this means is that this purpose has been revealed in Jesus, okay? This, is, this purpose of God has been revealed in Jesus. So what this means is that there's an aspect of this purpose that has already been done. It's already been accomplished by Jesus, okay? So in Jesus, it's like God put this purpose on display. He, he made it known, and he, like, set it in motion, Okay, so if you don't know, even if you do, it's good to be reminded. Uh, The gospel message is that Jesus, the Son of God, he came to earth as a a man who's also God. And he lived a perfect life, and then he died on a cross. He died a sacrificial death for the sins of the world. And then he rose from the dead victoriously, which proved everything he had claimed about himself, right? It proved his identity and it, 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 it guaranteed his promises. So in the finished work of Jesus in his life, his death and his resurrection, God has set forth this purpose. He has revealed this purpose and he's set it in motion. Okay, so what else do we see when we jump back to the verse? So this purpose has been set forth in Christ. Okay, so there's an aspect of this purpose that's already been accomplished. But then he also says it's a plan for the fullness of time. Okay, so what that means is that there's also an aspect of this purpose that God is still doing and will do. Okay, so how how we're going to say this is that this purpose also shapes God's plan for all of history. So this purpose, God has revealed in Jesus, but it's also shaping his plan for all of history. So even now, God is working in the world to bring this purpose about, and history is leading us to a point of of ultimate fulfillment of this purpose. Hope you're with me so far. Hopefully you're also wondering, okay, what is this purpose? We've said purpose like 20 times already, and we haven't even (laughs) said what it is. Well, it's because we haven't read it yet. Okay, so if we jump back to the verse. So we've learned that this purpose has been set forth in Christ. It's a plan for the fullness of time. And what is it? What's the purpose? To unite all things in him. Who's him? Him refers back to Christ. So God's purpose, God's grand purpose is to unite all things in Christ. So here's how we'll say it. God's purpose is to bring everything under the lordship of Jesus. To bring everything together under the lordship of Jesus. This word lordship, what we mean by this is like um, authority and rule and reign. Okay, so what God is saying is that his, kind of his, um, the, the, the end goal of his work is the, the summing up of all things under the authority of his son, Jesus. So this may make you think of other passages in scripture. You might think of a, a passage like Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 explains this work that has already been done by Jesus, that he uh, humbled himself to become a man and then die even on a cross, right? And then, so that has been done, 
And then Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him this name that's above every name. He's already done that. So that one day uh, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you, you see this past, present, and future tense of God's purpose. Okay, so here's, here's where, where we're at. We've seen that God has a purpose. It's been revealed in Jesus. It's shaping his plan for all of history. And this is the purpose, is to bring everything under the lordship of Jesus. That's what we just observed from this, these couple of verses. Okay, he says things in heaven and things on earth, all things. He wants to unite them in Christ. Okay, so hopefully you're asking questions, right? Hopefully you're wondering some things, maybe like, well, what does this mean for me? Or how do we see this happening? And so that's the question we're going to ask. We're going to ask, well, how? How is God doing this? How is God right now fulfilling this great purpose today in the world? And the answer, and we're going to see this, but the answer throughout the New Testament is that he's doing this through his people. God is doing this work through his people. We see throughout the New Testament that God has chosen us, his people, as the primary mode of carrying out his purpose in the world. So here's what this means. So we've just seen that God has a purpose, but the implication of this for us that we're going to see today, it's good news, is that not only does God have a purpose, but you have a purpose. You have a purpose. That's what this means. You have a purpose. And what we're going to do, we're going to look in Scripture and see what we can learn about our purpose. We just learned some things about God's purpose. We're going to look at our purpose now. So here's what you're going to do. Grab your Bible, and we're going to stay in Ephesians. We're going to stay in this same context, the same letter. Just flip your page. You may not even have to flip your page, depending on how your Bible's laid out. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Okay, so this is maybe what? One, two, three, three paragraphs later, Okay. So Paul is still writing to the Ephesian church, and this is a, another wonderful passage. It's interesting. We've seen in both of these really just theologically rich passages about spiritual truth. They both conclude and kind of culminate in a similar way, and that's talking about purpose. Okay, so uh, Ephesians chapter 2, it's a wonderful gospel presentation. It's one of the most powerful uh, explanations of the gospel we have. And then here's, here's what we see in verse 10, Ephesians 2, chapter 10. So Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. So we're going to do the exact same thing with this verse. We're going to see what can we learn about our purpose in this verse, okay? So here's the first thing I see about, about purpose, okay? I see that our purpose is directly connected with our identity because, look, this is an identity statement. Paul says, for we are his workmanship. Literally, the, the work of God's hands, like a craftsman or an artist, okay? We're the work of his hands created in Christ Jesus. Okay, the sentence could end there. It would be true and good and awesome. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't end there. He says, why? 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 For good works. For good works. So here's what we see about our identity here, or our uh, purpose. I gave you a spoiler. Is that it is received as a product of our identity. 
Your purpose is received as a product of your identity. So what I mean by this is that when God gives you identity, there's purpose built into it. And your purpose flows out of your identity. And this is true of anything, okay? Anything that is created is created with a purpose, right? And the purpose is determined by the creator. So uh, you can think about anything that's ever been invented, ever. It was invented with a purpose. When I think of uh, inventions, one of the coolest ones that comes to mind for me is the airplane. We've got some pilots in our church. You know who you are, so you, you'll like this. Uh, the, the first successful flight of an airplane was in 1903 by the Wright brothers. You might remember uh, learning that in school. Okay, so just a little over 100 years ago, these guys got an airplane to fly. And here's the thing about airplanes. Hope you know this. They're made to fly, okay? That's, that's what it means to be an airplane is that it, it, it's meant to fly. An airplane that doesn't fly isn't really good for much, right? So even before airplanes existed, before they, they, were, they were in existence, when they were just a dream, an idea in people's minds, they were meant to fly. Their purpose is directly connected with their identity. The same is true for us. So God, our, the, the master inventor, he, he's created everything and he's created humans to bear his image, to reflect him to the world. And sin, as we know, sin, it, it corrupts and it distorts our ability to, to do this in the way we're, we're meant to. But for those of us who have, have been redeemed by Jesus, who have been recreated in, in, in Christ as, as a new creation, we receive a new identity, and part of that new identity is a renewed purpose. This purpose is renewed in us. I want you to realize what this means. I mean, this is a big deal. This is, this is countercultural, okay? The world, the world says that your purpose defines your identity, okay? What you do and how good or not good you are at it, it, it d- defines who you are. And God says otherwise. God gives us identity and our purpose flows out. It's a product of our identity. So I, I hope you're with me so far. This is a big deal. I hope you're, you're tracking that our purpose is received as a product of our identity. Okay, so let's see what else. Let's go back to the verse. What else do we see here? So we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, okay? What else do we learn? Well, these good works are prepared beforehand by God. So it's not just kind of a free-for-all like, hey, go decide what good works are and, and do them pick some good works to do. No, God has actually prepared good works for us. So here's what this means, I believe. I believe this means that our purpose is defined by God's purpose. So God gives us good works to do that are part of his grand purpose that we learned earlier, right? God's grand purpose to bring everything under the lordship of Jesus. God gives us purposes and good works to do that are part of that great purpose. Now, sure, for, for each person, these good works that God has given us to do might look different and, and unique. We're not, we don't all do the exact same things, but this, we're all working towards this, this same end goal, this ultimate goal. Okay, so I, I want you to realize, too, this is not a, 
This is not just like an isolated verse where we see this. This is, we see this throughout the New Testament. Let's look at a couple of other examples really quickly. So think about a, a, a verse like 2 Corinthians 5.20. So this is a, a pretty a famous passage where Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And, and he says, you've been reconciled to God. And so now he's given you this message of reconciliation, this ministry of reconciliation. This verse is very um, kind of central to our summer study. And here's what he says. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, we are an identity statement, right? We are ambassadors for Christ, representatives of Christ. Why? Again, it could end there. He could just say, we are ambassadors for Christ. That would be good, but he, he doesn't in there. He follows identity up with purpose. Why? So that God may make his appeal through us. God is literally using us to make his appeal to the world. And what is the message? Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God by coming under the lordship of Jesus. Right? What, what we talked about earlier, through the gospel, through faith in Christ, we, we are reconciled to God. We come back into right relationship with God. So we see the same thing here. There's a, um, here's another example, 1 Peter 2, 9. We won't hang here very long, but again, I just want you to see this. But you are, that's identity. That's identity. Purpose that you may proclaim. So here, Peter tells, he's telling believers some things about who they are. And then he reminds them that their purpose follows, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, this same darkness to light. That's what happens when we come under the lordship of Jesus. Okay, so I hope you're with me. So we've seen, we've seen that our purpose, we receive it as a product of our identity, and it's defined by God's purpose. So as we jump back to the verse, uh, I see one other thing here in this verse, and that's that this purpose is, it, it shapes our lives. Because look how it ends. So these, these good works God's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's clear that this purpose is intended to influence how we live our lives. And we, we, we seek to live life in line with this purpose. So this purpose shapes your life. Okay, so, and, and it shapes every aspect of our lives. This is not, this is not just for, for people who are on church staff, okay, or, or uh, missionaries or, or, or pastors or those who you might look at and think, oh, of course, right, God's purpose shapes their lives. But my, my life is ordinary. My life, my, my job doesn't, it doesn't look that way, right? I, I get that. I get that. But here's, here's what we want to realize. So one of our measures as a church, we have uh, six measures of the church that we say, this is how we measure success, and, and these are things like desperate dependence, missional mindset, covenant community. But one of them is passionate purpose. Passionate purpose. So we say that one of the ways we measure success is by living with a, a passionate purpose. This is really important. This is really important. If you, if you kind of got a little distracted for a second, come, come back here. And, and if you're going to write something down, write this down. Passionate purpose. Here's how we define it. A daily ambition to know and live for Jesus in my family, job, and community. So a daily ambition. This is, this is an everyday thing to know and live for Jesus. Okay, so to know Jesus, to, to live in relationship with him, that's where we find our identity, right? 
And then live for Jesus, that's purpose. Living for Jesus, remember we just read, we are ambassadors for Christ. So living for Jesus means we, we follow him, we honor him, we represent him to others, we, we make him known as Lord, we lead others to follow him, right? That's, that's what we're talking about here, a daily ambition to know and live for Jesus in my family, job, and community. Okay, so we're talking about very normal life here, family, job, and community. Basically, wherever God puts you, he desires you to live with a passionate purpose. Okay, so here's what we've seen about our purpose. It's received as a product of our identity. It's defined by God's purpose, and it shapes our lives. I want to I wanna draw a conclusion here to, to, from, from what we've seen, and I think it's really important. I think it's what we need to hear most right now for, for many of us. So because of these things, here's the conclusion we can draw is that our purpose is independent of circumstances. Independent of circumstances. So not dependent on circumstances. Okay, so because our purpose is given to us as part of our identity, it's a product of our identity, it's only dependent on God. It's not dependent on anything or anyone else. And the reason I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm Making this so clear is that we are in a time where for many of us, it has felt, what well, not, it's just felt, it has been true that many things have been either changed or taken away from us in our lives. So that may be that your, your job is different or gone, <laughs> or that school is, is different, right? I mean, you, you can't even go to class anymore. It may even mean that your ministry opportunities have felt very limited. It may mean uh, relationships and a time for actual connection with people. There are a lot of things that can be taken from us, and we have seen that, but your purpose is not one of them. So if you remember the, the airplane, right? Okay, so it doesn't really matter where you find an airplane or really what it looks like. The airplane is meant to fly, or even how well it flies, right? It doesn't really even matter what kind of shape it's in. It's still meant to fly. You can't change the purpose of an airplane without changing its very essence, right? Without changing what it is. All airplanes are meant to fly. And the same is true for us. We, are, we, are, uh, we have a purpose that's built into our identity. And it doesn't change when life changes. It doesn't change when the world changes. It may look different, that's okay. It may look different, I know that. But our purpose cannot be taken. I wanna share an example, I just wanna tell a story. It's from scripture, but I wanna kind of uh, just share a story that I think is a really good example of this. It's um, the story of Nehemiah. So it's a book back in the Old Testament. You don't have to go there, we're not gonna uh, read much of it, but it's a great story. Uh, so here, here's the, the irony, is that the book of Nehemiah takes place in the midst of a true national shutdown. In fact, it would make our situation look pretty nice. So Nehemiah takes place in the middle of the, the Babylonian exile. So the, the people of Israel have been exiled, which means that so but because of their sin... God disciplined them by bringing in the Babylonians and they, they like wrecked their, their cities. And they took most of the people. They like just took people from their homes 
and displaced them in different places throughout the Babylonian Empire. And they left a, like a small remnant of people to just kind of survive and suffer. <laughs> so you, you, maybe you can imagine how they might have felt. <laughs> Some of the things we're feeling and probably multiplied and magnified, right? Can you imagine the devastation and the, the disorientation, <laughs> the hopelessness? I mean, how do you move forward? I mean, yeah, we're, we're, where do you go from there? As you read, if you read some of the writings from this time, I mean, the people of Israel, they, I mean, they had no clue. I mean, this was by far rock bottom for them, the worst time in their history. And they felt totally abandoned, right? They felt abandoned. Those who were in exile felt abandoned. Those who were left in Jerusalem felt abandoned. They're wondering, where, you know, where is God? <laughs> what, do, what do we do here? And so, this book picks up, and we find this guy, Nehemiah, and he's, he's actually doing all right because he's actually, he's kind of found favor with this Persian king, Artaxerxes, and he's working in his courts. He's his cupbearer. And, and anyway, very early in the book, in the third verse of the book, uh, a couple of his buddies from Jerusalem come by, and he asks them how things are going, and here's what they say. They're like, it ain't good, man. The, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. I mean, Nehemiah had been gone. He really didn't know the state of Jerusalem. And it's bad news. And he responds immediately. He weeps. He mourns. He fasts. He prays. It, it records some of his prayers. He, he, he repents for sin, both corporate sin and personal sin. And he asks God, you know, what, what do I do? And he, he, so he decides to, to approach the king and ask him to return to Jerusalem. The king, uh, he has such favor with the king that he seems happy to send him, and he even helps him out, sends him some resources. And so he travels back to Jerusalem, and he kind of surveys the landscape, right? I mean, you imagine he, he comes into this city that was his home, and it's just a wreck, you know? He kind of inspects the walls. He assesses the damage, kind of figures out what's going on. He starts talking to people. And, and eventually he kind of starts gathering people and rallying them. And he leads them. He says, uh, let's, let's rebuild the wall. Here's, here's what he says. He's like, you see the trouble we're in. He's like, you're living in it. <laughs> How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. You're just living in these ruins. He says, come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. That we may no longer suffer derision. These people around us are mocking us. He tells them kind of his story, how God has been, the hand of God has been upon him, and the king gave him favor. And they say, these people, they say, let us rise up and build. So they strengthen their hands for the good work. I mean, they got to work. I mean, you have to realize these people have literally just been living in ruins. I mean, they, they, get, they wake up every day, and they're just kind of getting by. They walk out their door, and the, the, the wall is, is, is a wreck, and... and their, their buildings are wrecked, and, and they're just like, well, this is, this is life, right? I'm just going to get by. <laughs> we might be able to relate to that a little bit. But what happens is Nehemiah steps in, and he, he kind of, he, he, he gives them a renewed vision for, for a purpose, and they're all over it. And so these people, they, they do, they get to work. In chapter 3 of Nehemiah, this would be a great thing to read, like, this week. It's like, 13 chapters, I think it'd be a great book to read throughout this week um, just to process this. But at chapter 3 of Nehemiah, it can be a little hard to read. He just starts naming people. 
unless you're like looking for baby names or something. They're, some of them are hard to pronounce, but um, he starts naming all these people. Like, uh, so so-and-so, they worked on the wall right here in front of their house. And next to them, so-and-so worked on the wall in front of their house and so-and-so and just on and on like that, right? But here's the point. Here's why these people are being named. The point is that each of them found their part of the wall and they took on the project that we're going we're gonna to work on rebuilding this part of the wall. And, and it's all different kinds of people. I mean, you've got men, women, and children. I mean, there are priests, rulers, officials. It's listing them out. Then there are servants and there are tradesmen, there are merchants. It talks about goldsmiths, perfumers, all these different kinds of people. But they say, okay, we will do our part. It says they had, a, they had a mind to work. Basically, they had, they had regained their sense of purpose. They're, they're doing different kinds of work, even different amounts of work. But they're working towards the same goal, and that's to rebuild what had been destroyed. And they face opposition. I mean, they're, they're, the people around them, they threaten them. There's real danger. They're mocking them. But again, they had, this, they had a passionate purpose. They were determined. So they responded to these threats. They pray, they trust God's protection that he's with them and for them. And they arm themselves, they set up guards, they strap on swords, and then they keep working. <laughs> They're focused on the work at hand. And miraculously, the, the wall is rebuilt in 52 days. 52 days, and it says that even their, their enemies and the nations around them, I think this is chapter 6, verse 16, uh, it says that they, they, yeah, the nations around them were afraid, and they fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. So when the people chose to align themselves with God's purpose and step into their purpose, God bless their obedience and their work. And, and it's not surprising. I mean, this, this sets the people of Israel on a path to revival. I mean, like you really don't see much in many other places in Scripture. I mean, true spiritual revival and social reform. They, they repent of sin. They, they renew their covenant with God to obey the law. Essentially, they, they went from being aimless to being repurposed. So what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you, right? That's, that's the question we want to ask. What does this mean for me? You might not need to build any walls. You might have taken on some home projects while you've been stuck at home. But uh, well, what does this actually mean for you? And here's the question I want you to consider is what if, what if God wants to do a similar thing that he did in Nehemiah's days in the church right now? What if God wants to renew your purpose in this season? What if God wants to use our current circumstances, including the challenges, to actually repurpose us? What if he wants us to go deeper into our true purpose that's not dependent on anything else? Like Ali mentioned earlier, it's not dependent on a building. It's not dependent on a gathering even. It's not dependent on a program. It's not dependent on your job. It's not dependent on your school. It's not dependent on how many people you're around. It's not dependent on anything but God, who is our creator and our giver of purpose. I read a quote this week that said, what if God wants to use this pandemic not to paralyze us, but actually 
to mobilize us? What if he's offering you a renewed sense of purpose today? If that's you, I think it's probably many of us, then I want you to ask the question, what would this look like for me? What are, the, what are the, practically speaking, what are the steps I can take to kind of take back this purpose that God has for me that's not dependent on anything else? And here are a few things we can do. Here's what we just learned from Nehemiah. Here are a few things we can do. So first, we can pray. First, we, we must pray. Every, like, reviving move of God that I know of starts with prayer. Honest, passionate prayer. We can pray. Second, we remember our purpose. So we do what we literally just did. We open our, our Bibles and we, and we seek to remember God's purpose and our purpose. Our purpose that he has given us, that's a part of his purpose. And that's not tied to anything else. So we pray, we remember our purpose. And then we find our place. Find your place. And here's, here's what I mean by that is like the people in Nehemiah. Like, where is your part of the wall? Like, where would God have you invest right now? Who is it that God would have you invest in? So th this is what we've been trying to equip ourselves in through this summer study that, that we've been in, right? Who is it? Who is it that God has put around you? Remember, Barrett taught us about looking for opportunities with the people in the spheres where we live, work, and play. We're identifying these people. Is it, your, is it people in your family? Is it friends? Is it coworkers? Is it neighbors? Is it classmates? Who is it around you that has a need that you can help meet? Who is it that you can serve, right? Find, find your place. Where, where is it that God is leading you? And then we seek God's plan. So we ask God, how would you have me move forward, right? What's my next step? What, like, what would you have me do here? Is it that I... Is it inviting someone into your home? Is it going to do their yard work? <laughs> is it initiating a spiritual conversation? You know, what, what is it? Remember in our summer study, Lauren teaching us about radical hospitality, investing in relationships. And then we learned about um, turning, turning conversations into spiritual conversations with those who God is giving you gospel opportunities with. Like, what, what, what is your next step, right? What's, what's the plan for moving forward? And then what we do is we put our hands to work. We, we do something, right? Like, like the people in Nehemiah, we ask God to strengthen our hands for the work he's given us to do. See, here's the thing. Nehemiah 2.20, this is right as they were beginning the work. And they started first kind of uh, facing some opposition. Nehemiah turns to these guys and he says, The God of heaven will make us prosper. And we, his servants, will arise and build. So what Nehemiah is saying is, I'm confident in my God's purpose and his power to accomplish his purpose. I'm so confident. And that confidence gives me confidence to step into my purpose because I know that he's going to use us to do it. So he can say, he will prosper, he will make us prosper, and we we're his servants, we will arise and build. And see, the same is true for us. We can be confident that God is working. God is in the business of rebuilding and restoring and reconciling people to himself. 
God is in he's, his, his grand purpose. He is doing it right now. He's bringing people under the lordship of Jesus. He's uniting all things in Christ. The question is, like, what part will you play, right? Will, will you arise and build your part of the wall? So we're going to start to, we're, we're going to wrap up here. And here's, I, I, just, I want you to ask yourself these questions, okay? Um, are you living with a passionate purpose? Like, where do you find yourself in this? Where are you? Are you, are you struggling to see your purpose right now? Like, are you, are you feeling aimless? Are you feeling like all these things have been taken from me? <laughs> my, my, my world is changing. My life has changed. and I don't know what else to do. And I feel stuck. Like, where, where are you? And what I want to challenge you to do is do these things that we just saw in Nehemiah. To pray. To remember your purpose. To find your place. To seek God's plan. And to put your hands to the work. Like, God has a purpose for you. I can say that with confidence because it's part of who you are. God has a purpose for you, and he wants you to live in it. We, God wants us to wake up daily with an ambition to know him and live for him in everything we do. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing and have a time of response. Okay, will you pray with me wherever you're at? Lord, thank you so much that you are a God uh, with purpose. You're not an aimless God. Uh, and thank you even, even more amazingly that you have given us purpose. You've given me a purpose. And it's not about me. And it's not based on my abilities. It's not based on my circumstances. It's only dependent on you. God, I pray in our hearts today, God, that you would, you would search our hearts and find the, like the dark corners of our hearts that we're feeling just lost and we're feeling stuck and we're feeling aimless. And God, I pray that you would remind us through your word like you just did, God, that that would take root. What you spoke in us would take root and grow. And God, that we would, this would set us on a trajectory. <laughs> what we've just heard would set us on a trajectory to, to rediscovering our purpose in this crazy this crazy season, but God, you are working. You, you are building your church. You are building your kingdom here, and you've chosen to use us to do it. So Lord, we want to be faithful to you, to the purpose that you've given us. We want to walk and live in our, the purpose that you have given us. Lord, strengthen our hands as we arise and build for your great purpose of uniting all things in Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord. Please help us to respond from our hearts. In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen.